You got you got real estate, regular real estate too, right? Yeah. How many doors? Right now, I have twenty eight doors. 28? I didn't have forty, but I sold off a good amount of them for profit. For profit, yeah. All right. I didn't know if you was like, why unload? What's going on? Because so before I got into the self storage business two years ago, right? So this is all me like learning as I go in. Yeah. It's new for me, right? But real estate is the same. Uh, you know, real estate is the same principles. Yeah. 2020 happened, I had 40 doors. We know what happened in 2020, the yeah, pandemic. Yeah. So I had a good amount of my tenants that stopped paying me, right? But I'm stuck with the mortgage, water, the taxes, sewer, complaints, mm. tenants upstairs complaining, said this person is too loud. I'm still dealing with all the headaches that come with it, but I'm not getting the cash flow. Yeah. And to be completely honest with you, I was debt heavy and cash poor yeah. because my cash flow is really not where it once was, but I still got all of these bills. So now I got to pivot thinking, damn, what I'm going to do, I need to figure out how to stay afloat here, yeah. right? Because if you do it the wrong way, it could take you out. So that's when I started selling off some of our properties to liquidate. The market was at an all-time high. For sure. People overpaying. Yep. Some, this is the best time for me to sell if I'm going to sell at any point. I started selling a lot of my properties, right? Getting some cash back and saying, okay, now I can reinvest. And this is how I switched lanes into the self-storage business. Because one of the properties that I was selling, I had a tenant in there, and the buyer wanted it vacant. So I went to the tenant. I said, hey, I know you owe me last three, four months. Just take it and leave. He still was giving me pushback. I don't got nowhere to go. I said, yo, I'll give you $2,000 cash for keys, $2,000. I don't care what you owe me. I just want you to go. Mm. He said, all right, deal. But can you put my items in a storage unit for 90 days till I figure out what I'm going to do? I said, all right, let's do it. And that's when I started looking for storage units in my area. Everything was sold out, booked up. Couldn't get nothing. And that's when I'm like, oh, nah, I need to be on this side of the business. Yeah. That's when I started, you know, YouTube and Googling, everything you could think of, went to a mastermind, and then, you know, jumped from there. But to answer your question, I sold a lot of my portfolio because I needed to liquidate. And now that I'm in the self-storage business, it's day and night. Like, I don't have to deal with tenants living in my units. Mm -hmm. I don't have to deal with no plumbing, yep. no kitchens, yep. no bathrooms, no toilets. It's just an easier way for me to make money in real estate, still get the... The appreciation, the equity, the tax advantages, the leverage, every, everything that you could think of. And what are you doing 30 years old with 40 units of real estate, bro? I started I started early, though. How old? Started at 22, 23. Really? You working a job? Yeah. Where at? I was working at Pepsi. I was a sales rep. Where? Yeah. So at I 22? Went, yeah. So I went to college, University of Albany. I graduated my bachelor's in uh, business management. And then I got this full-time job working at Pepsi as a sales rep. It was a management training program, so you work your way up. Um, but I did that for six years. So every single year, I would just use my W-2 income and go buy a property and keep building and buy a mm. property. Because I always knew I wanted to leave the job. I always knew I wanted to be my yeah. own boss. I just had to work my plan. All right, Social Proof Podcast, we're here, man. I just interview successful people, and we try to figure out how to get you to be successful, too. You're going to help with that today. Facts. Right? Facts. So um, I'm very interested Storage units, because it just seems like a never-ending cycle of money. I ha I have, actually, right now, I have two storage units. Okay. And someone asked me the other day, they said, yeah, you got two storage units? I said, uh, yeah. And they're like, why? And I couldn't give them a good answer. Because I needed another one for, like, another purpose. Because the first one was full, but the first one isn't full anymore. And I just got two, but... I don't know, man. Well, welcome to the show, man. So I, introduce yourself. We're going to get into it, bro. Yes, sir. So my name is Ramel Newworlds, 30 years old, born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. You're, thir you're 30? 30, yeah. 
Yep. <laughs> Commercial real estate investor, credit coach. I teach, train, and mentor real estate professionals how to go out there and purchase self-storage facilities. But I teach them how to do it with creative no-money-down strategies. Really? Okay. Yes. So uh, how many storage units you got? I got three facilities. You over, have three facilities? Three facilities, over 300 units. And how much do you charge per unit? It varies, right? It varies like an apartment building. So you got one bedrooms, two bedrooms, everything yeah. will vary. So five by 10, 10 by 20, every unit varies based upon that size. And then obviously the market. So what I could charge in Pennsylvania versus Tennessee would be different. Hold on. Where are your storage units at? Pennsylvania, I got one. Tennessee. And then I just bought one in Arkansas. Really? Right. Where you live? I live in New York. You don't live in none of the states that's just... You, like see, it. if I was going to get a storage unit, it'd have to be in Georgia because I need to go see it and touch it. Well, I guess I got, I got real estate at home. But I'm going to break down the game on why you don't have to live it. Plus, New York is expensive. So the price that I'll pay in Pennsylvania or Tennessee, Arkansas, in New York is going to cost me triple that. It's just like any real estate asset. Gotcha. So where at in Pennsylvania is your storage unit? Fayetteville. Fayetteville. How many units are there? 88. You bought the storage unit? Existing facility. Purchased it. How much? Seven hundred fifty thousand. Seven hundred fifty thousand, and how many units again? Eighty-eight. Eighty-eight units. What's the average price per unit? Ninety bucks. So a ten by ten, we rent it out per for month. 90. Yeah. Running numbers. We in his pockets, Reese. Ninety <laughs> yeah. times eight. So ninety yeah. times ninety. That's what, like eighteen thousand. About a roundabout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it varies because we got, like I said, we got five by fives, then we got 10 by 20. So that's the average middle number based upon how many, you know, how many we rent out. What's your worst performing? That is my worst performing. That was my first one. That's my worst performing one, but I learned the most from that. Because I just jumped in and I realized that I overpaid a little bit, but on my other two facilities, I I got got it back. Okay. Yeah. 750,000 in Pennsylvania. What about Arkansas? Arkansas, 650,000. 650,000, how many units? 109. 109, and how much per average? That's or what's the range? Lowest so size? From, from $79 up until about $215. Okay, and you said you just purchased a third one. So the Arkansas one, I, I, that's my most recent one. Okay. I just purchased that in July. And you have another one in, in Tennessee. Tennessee. Correct. How much? I that was seller financing, so that was not hundred thousand. But I did I did the seller financing play. How many units? That's hundred and three units. Okay, walk me through the the seller financing. Walk me through that deal. So all right, so with the seller financing, with Tennessee, this seller he owned a bunch of like storage facilities, apartment buildings. He wanted to get out the game. Mm-hmm. He was just like, yo, I'm tired, COVID, chasing people. I don't want to get into that. So that's what we target. We like to target people that. Been in the business 20, 30 years, got a lot of equity, don't have no mortgage. They own it free and clear. So I positioned it to him and say, listen, you know, if I go to the bank, it's going to take me about 90 days to close, right? I'm going to do the SBA loan, 90 days to close. I could close in 30 days. Let's do the seller financing. All I got to do is come to the table with 5 to 10%, right? If I come to the table with 5%, would you be able to let me in here? I'll still pay you. So we did the um, we did the 900000 that's how much what it was. So how much did he want down? He wanted seventy thousand dollars down. Seventy thousand down. Seventy thousand okay. dollars. So I gave him seventy thousand dollars down, and now I got a note that I'm paying him right now three thousand. How long is the three thousand dollars? Three thousand. Yep. Three thousand dollars. Yep. Okay. It's so, interest only. So I got to pay him three years from now. 
balloon. Bro, so that's why, okay, so you're, he must not be charging a lot of interest, what, like 4% yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah. So let me tell you about this building. Okay. So I, I got the, he wanted $500,000 for this building, and, well, four ninety five. He wanted 10% down. Okay. So I had to give him almost 50000 but it was 7% on a financing for five years. So my my note came out to about twenty eight hundred dollars a month, interest only. Okay. Now, through God's grace, I was able to like pay off the. I just, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I I just I, I was grinding. We ran some play. Like it was, I was just grinding, and then I just paid it off. So right now, on the building, free and clear. But for the set the the four hundred the five hundred thousand dollars, at seven percent interest, landed me almost three thousand. But you got a nine hundred thousand yeah. dollar building, yep. and you only put down seventy thousand, yeah. and you know it's only three thousand yeah. for three years. Thanks. But what's dangerous though? We gotta warn them. Most people who do owner financing or seller financing typically don't pay off that loan by that balloon. Yeah, but I will because I got the strategy to do so for sure. Yeah, for sure. What's just what's the strategy? So it's commercial real estate. So you know, with, you, with this space that you purchase, yeah. the more revenue I could drive out of the facility, the more the value of that facility is going to go up. Yeah. So I'm not focused on like the time frame. I'm focused on how fast can I increase rents. So I'm looking at every facility in the area. What are they charging for the rates? How could I bring that rent up? 50 bucks, 30 bucks. What can I do? I threw some vending machines on the facility as well. So now I got money coming in from the vending machines. Mm. I actually partnered with U-Haul. So U-Haul, we run in the transportation service. They give me 30% profit. So I'm just adding. Whoa, whoa, what? 30% commission. On what? On whatever they generate from the um, U-Haul service. It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. 
All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. What's the U-Haul service, though? What is it? So they rent out the trucks. Yep. So anybody that's moving in and out of the units, they need a truck. We're going to rent it out. Movers. So you provide. put you put trucks on your your. So, so there's U-Haul trucks there. U-Haul sits on the facility. Is a, we have an office and we have one person that U-Haul pays. I don't pay them. U-Haul pay them. They sit in the office and they manage the U-Haul portion of the business. And U-Haul just cuts me thirty percent commissions off of whatever they generate. I don't. Mm. I, I let you handle that. I just give my money because I'm providing the, the space and the, and the service. And this is how long you had this one this facility. I bought this last year, May. What do you think the U-Haul portion brings in? Oh, that's bringing in over hundred k a month. I, I, I get commission checks anyway. What? Any for anywhere from twenty to thirty thousand dollars a month commissions. So, so you make twenty to thirty thousand a month just by having U-Haul. On the facility. Correct. And I don't even have to manage that part of the business. Because it's U-Haul. Because it's U-Haul. They have their own operations. They do their own thing. I just provide the space for it. All right. Crazy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm trying to. That's crazy. Yeah. So the, the, um, the, the units, what percentage are you booked or running out? So, um. I'll, I'll tell you each facility. No, just this, just this one. Just this one. Oh, for this one? Yeah. I'm at 85%, 90% occupancy right now. But I like to keep it that way. Why? Because it's it's power in, like, keeping a waiting list, having turnover. If I fully run out the unit, then it's tough for me to actually increase my prices because that person is stuck in that unit. So the right. more people I get to come in as new clients, I can always increase my rent because it's a, it's a new client coming in. New tenant coming in. You got the game figured out, bro. You got the game figured <laughs> out. When do you plan on paying off? Do you plan on paying it off or do you plan on refinancing? Oh, yeah, I, I plan on refinancing. Got you. Cash out refinance. When? That's my plan. 
Three. As soon as you can, or you you you're trying to bump up as close to the three years as possible. I'm a I'm gonna get as close to that three years as possible, and then increase the value as much as possible by that time, and then I refinance. So I shouldn't have paid this building off. I should have waited. Well, no, that's good. I'm glad you paid it off. The only <laughs> thing is, I mean, that three thousand dollars a month. I mean, I guess compared to what you're paying right now, it doesn't really um, it doesn't it doesn't hurt too much. But the three thousand dollars a month. The only reason I did is because I I. I I had the cash, okay. and the cash is just gonna sit there. And if I just pay off the building, then I get to save three thousand dollars a month in interest. So that's really so you paid the building off cash, or you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would be personally. I wouldn't. Me personally, I wouldn't do that. Because why would I have my cash sitting in the building? I'd rather take my cash and go buy another asset. I don't like having cash, bro. But you take the cash and go buy another building. True, we'll but in another business. But if I was going to get another building, I'll just refinance this, get the cash out, and buy another building. That's but true. I just don't want it to sit there. That's true. That's you true. know what I mean? I just don't. That's true. I think I said That's too true. much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think my wife knows. You know what I mean? I just try to keep. Anyway, anyway, yeah. So I get what you're saying. Um, but anything could happen in the time where you're getting closer to the three years where the bank is moving slow or they, you know, stop lending for some reason. And then the person who owns the building that was playing the bank right now, all the $3,000 for those three years, which is 36,000 times three years, like a hundred thousand dollars plus your original 70,000. You just gave them 170 and they take the building back. And all the improvements and stuff like that, they own it. That's dangerous, ain't yeah, it? Yeah, that's, that's the risk. That's the come with the game. But why not just try to refinance as soon as possible? Because I want to make sure when I do refinance, I'm going to pull out the most cash. If I go and refinance now, my revenue is not at the most capacity that I know I could get it to. Mm-hmm. So, again, with commercial real estate, the value of your facility or apartment building, whatever you purchase, it goes up the more revenue you generate. So as I continue increasing rents, adding more value, my revenue is going to go up. My value of my building is going to go up. Now when I refinance, I would have pulled out probably $300,000 cash out to my pocket. But if I wait, I could probably pull out some more. Mm. So you'll pull out the $300,000. Mm-hmm. You'll still have a note, which is going to be comparable to what you're paying. Now it'll probably be more when you refinance. More. Yeah. But still, more. you. But I, I mean, I have that money back. I can go reinvest and the actual asset will pay for itself. Yeah, you all's paying all the bills, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, so. So why these particular places, Arkansas, Tennessee, you said, right? Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania. Why these particular, we can't get none in Atlanta? Because uh, it's, it's like real estate anywhere you go. So if you buy something in the middle of Atlanta, the price is going to be higher versus if you go to Alabama. Right. So true. It's just about me knowing where I could get the most bang for my buck. That's number one. Number two, I like to buy areas that's more, I say, like rural, rural areas, suburban areas. Right. Um, and I want to see whatever the market is growing. So think about 2020. A lot of people start moving out of the city. Like New York, everybody was getting out of there. Cali, mm-hmm. everybody's getting out. They're going to Vegas, New York, they're going to Pennsylvania. A lot of people going to Florida. So I want to be where the population is growing, not where the population is going down. So a lot of people in New York, they moved to Pennsylvania. There was a 13% population increase in Pennsylvania alone in 2020. Mm. So if everybody's moving, guess what? They use a storage unit because they're moving in and out. They're relocating. So now they need my services. 
Arkansas. Arkansas was one of the top five cities in 2020 that people moved to. Mm-hmm. So that's really why I picked my pockets because wherever people are moving to, that's why I want to, I want to get ahead of it. So I'm in real estate. I, I have some real estate. I have some units in uh, Louisiana. I got a bunch in Louisiana, but my sister Terica, she lives there. She manages it. She understands real estate better than anybody that I know. So I trust it, put my money in because her money's tied into it too. So we're good there. Mm-hmm. But I am afraid of investing in a project that I, I can't like get to. So it, it's not with that fear, bro. Yeah. It's not about what it's about who, right? So I hire a management company. The management company does everything. How do you know how to trust the management company? This is their business here. You know, like <laughs> they get paid when I get paid and it's not just me hiring somebody off the street. This is well-known management companies. And you think about all the big self-storage facilities it's actually management companies that manage these facilities, it's not the actual owner. This is their job. This is their business. This is their credibility here. So, so you go into the market, you go to Arkansas, and I guess the first question is, who manages specifically storage facilities? The first thing I'm going to do when I go to the market, I'm going to look in a five-mile radius. What are the facilities around the facility that I'm looking to buy? Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to go to those facilities that I'm, look, that I'm not looking to buy, but it's around the area, and I'm going to act like I'm a tenant hey how many units do you have available what's the rent what are you charging right i'm just picking their brain so i can know over here if they are at full if this competitor is at full capacity then i want to buy that facility because where else well where else is everybody else going because they're full there's a bunch of people that is looking for a unit and they can't find nothing because that person is full so they're going to come over here Mm -hmm. if you are not full and you have a lot of units available then that's kind of that's kind of shaky right but i'm also going to ask them hey you know What's the management company's name? Because most, mostly the management. I'm sorry. What's the sign of? Okay, they they're not full. They got a bunch of units, and they're like, "Hey, no, we're wide open. How many you need?" If they wide open, that's that's scary because the demand may not be there. Right, the population may be low. People don't have the money, so I don't like to go in an area where the income is too low. Because if you if your income is too low, you barely can afford your rent. What's the chance of you spending extra money to get a storage unit? I can't even afford this over here. Mm-hmm. So. You know, those are indicators will determine whether or not I want to buy. However, back to your original question, right? When I go inside that facility, the person that's at the front office works for the management company. I'm going to have a conversation. Hey, you know, what company you work for? What's the management company? Just casual. Pick up what they saying. All right, cool. Mm. I'll call. I'll call later. And now that's how I want to find out who's the, the primary management service in that area. Man, smart, yo. <laughs> you mad smart. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So in the searching of finding these units, yeah. tell me about that process. So it's, it's various ways that I do it, right? Number one is uh, a platform that I use is called off-market self-storage. So you go off-market self-storage, free trial for seven days, right? But I can find every facility across the country. Mm. Every facility across the country, get their phone number, get the full name, and then I have my virtual assistant's cold call. And they call every single day. Hey, just looking to find out if you have any interest in selling. Is there any motivation there? And it's crazy because most of the self-storage owners are mom and pop owners, independent people. When we think about self-storage, most people think about CubeSmart, Extra Space, mm-hmm. Public Storage. Those are the big dogs, right? Yeah. But only 20% of the business, they dominate. The other 80% is just mom and pop who've been in the business 20, 30 years, right? So we want to target those individuals, get on the phone, and just see what we land. Outside of that is another platform called Biz Buy Sell. 
So not only self storage, you might find a restaurant, you might find I've been on there, yeah. So you mm. you know, yeah. so you go on there. Somebody that's motivated, tired, they can list their self storage on that site, and then you go in there and negotiate. It's a business brokerage website. So those gotcha. are just two. We got a few, but those are like two ways of me getting to. That's kind of ill because it really for to you it doesn't matter where it's at. If it's a, a good deal, it's a good deal. Yeah. You got a formula, a financial formula. Yeah. It's, it's like buying a business because yep. I don't look at comps. I don't look at ARV. I just really look at what's my bottom line, right? What's the net operating income? When I look at that bottom line, I want to see, depending on what the purchase price is, how long is it going to take me to get my money back? That's really, the, once I get that formula, everything else we'll figure out later. Once I find out, okay, if I'm going to put down $100,000, how long is it going to take me to get back my 100000 If I can get it back within five years, for me, I'm good with that. that. That's just my formula. Somebody may have a different formula. I like to get my down payment back within five years. After that, now I want to see what is the market trends. Is that that seems like a long time though. Down payment? Five years? It's not. It's not long. So the one you just said, right? Seventy thousand. That's yeah. a down payment. Yeah. It seems. I mean, with with just the you all part, yeah. that's. I mean, four months. That's true. However, there's other expenses that goes into that that I'll have to spend money on. Like what? So construction, right? If I need to go and add, do, do any an expansion. Right now, there's a lot next door to it that we're expanding. We're going to do another 40 units. So that's going to cost me around $180,000 just to do that. Mm -hmm. So total, how, much, how many vending machines am I putting down, right? How many people I need to pay to make sure that I can... Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. In your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit score grows, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans, like for a car or home. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Bill Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members of FDIC, out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Manage this because I'm not in that state. I see so all of my carrying costs, I have to include everything. How much am I putting down? I need to get everything back within five years. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Are you including in that number your salary? Nah. Because no? I don't take money from the business for me. I just let the business bring its own money in and reinvest. Because I have other vehicles that I make my money, my earned income. So for me, I have, I'm, I'm 30 years old. So I, I already built it in my mind. I said, I want to retire by 40. Okay. So it's compound interest. All the money that I get, I want to reinvest into the business. Until when I'm 40, I'm going to look up and be like, oh, this is cool. Now I can start paying myself. Until then, I'm going to utilize all my earned income strategies to take care of my lifestyle and just kind of lay low. Don't. And what's your what's your oh so so this is like between the storage you got you got real estate regular real estate too right yeah how many doors right now i have 28 doors 28? i did have 40 but i sold off a good amount of them for profit for profit yeah all right i didn't know if you was like why unload what's going on because so before i got into the social storage business two years ago Right. So this is all me like learning as I go in. Yeah. It's new for me. Right. But it really stays the same. Uh, you know, real estate is the same principles. Yeah. 2020 happened. I had 40 doors. 
we know what happened in 2020, the yeah. pandemic. Yeah. So I had a good amount of my tenants that stopped paying me, right? That I'm stuck with the mortgage, water, the taxes, sewer, complaints, mm. tenants upstairs complaining, said, this person is too loud. I'm still dealing with all the headaches that come with it, but I'm not getting the cash flow. Yeah. And to be completely honest with you, I was debt heavy and cash poor yeah. because my cash flow is really not where it once was, but I still got all these bills. So now I got to pivot thinking, damn, what I'm going to do? I need to figure out how to stay afloat here, yeah. right? Because if you do it the wrong way, it could take you out. So that's when I started selling off some of our properties to liquidate. The market was at an all-time high. For sure. People overpaying. Yep. Some, this is the best time for me to sell if I'm going to sell at any point. I started selling a lot of my properties, right? Getting some cash back and saying, okay, now I can reinvest. And this is how I switched lanes into the self-storage business. Because one of the properties that I was selling, I had a tenant in there and the buyer wanted it vacant. So I went to the tenant. I said, hey, I know you owe me last three, four months. Just take it and leave. He still was giving me pushback. I don't got nowhere to go. I said, yo, I'll give you $2,000 cash for keys, $2,000. I don't care what you owe me. I just want you to go. Mm. He said, all right, deal. But can you put my items in a storage unit for 90 days till I figure out what I'm going to do? I said, all right, let's do it. And that's when I started looking for storage units in my area. Everything was sold out, booked up. You couldn't get nothing. And that's when I'm like, oh, nah, I need to be on this side of the business. Yeah. That's when I started, you know, YouTube and Googling, everything you could think of, went to a mastermind, and then, you know, jumped from there. But to answer your question, I sold a lot of my portfolio because I needed to liquidate. And now that I'm in the self-storage business, it's day and night. Like, I don't have to deal with tenants living in my units. Mm -hmm. I don't have to deal with no plumbing, yep. no kitchens, yep. no bathrooms, no toilets. It's just an easier way for me to make money in real estate, still get the... The appreciation, the equity, the tax advantages, the leverage, every, everything that you could think of. And what are you doing 30 years old with 40 units of real estate, bro? I started I started early, though. How old? Started at 22, 23. Really? You working a job? Yeah. Where? At? I was working at Pepsi. I was a sales rep. Where? Yeah. So at I 22? Went, yeah. So I went to college, University of Albany. I graduated my bachelor's in uh, business management. And then I got this full-time job working at Pepsi as a sales rep. It was a management training program, so you work your way up. Um, but I did that for six years. So every single year, I would just use my W-2 income and go buy a property and keep building and buy a mm. property. Because I always knew I wanted to leave the job. I always knew I wanted to be my yeah. own boss. I just had to work my plan. That's extremely lit. Before you work at Pepsi, what were you doing? I was in college. I was, in, I was just in school. You know, so oh, well. <laughs> yeah. I was in college. I was like hustling. I was doing different things, trying to make money, just getting, getting by. When you say hustling, what do you mean? I was I was selling drugs. Really? Yeah. In college. In college. I was selling I don't know how how split I mean it's up to you, brother. I don't know your statute of <laughs> limitations. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you know, but oh yeah, I was in college and I was selling weed and pills. A word. Do you have any um were you smoking? I wasn't smoking. I, so this is how I got into it. All my friends, every single Thursday, Friday, Saturday, everybody going out for parties, everybody yeah. smoking weed, everybody, like, they doing pills, everybody doing crazy stuff in college. And I'm thinking, like, yo, I always had this mindset, y'all be the user, I'm the dealer. That's just it. So I figured out a way to say, y'all all, all smoking, I'm just go get it. I'm going to go back home every two weeks, go get it, come back up here and sell it. And I did that, did that, and then I got caught, got arrested on campus. Or yeah, Did that, you have a lot on you? I had, nah, I didn't have a lot on me. It was like a little over a pound. Gotcha. I mean, over a quarter ounce. Gotcha, gotcha. How long did you get locked up for? I didn't get locked up. I got arrested, but then I, they let me out. I was on probation. 
community service. Because you were young. Yeah. And I didn't have I was in college too. You know, you in college, they let you get away with stuff. Oh, he's the college kid just doing some yeah. dumb, dumb stuff. So they um arrested me and then they gave me terminal probation, gave me community service. I did all of that and then that's when I said I gotta do something different. Yeah. I saw weed too. I just I just wasn't good. I wasn't good at it. I just felt like I I was had a lot of customers, but I wasn't making no money for real. You know what I mean? I just wasn't good at it. <laughs> like Nicola Dobley. Right. <laughs> so after after that, you graduate first job. You graduate college? Graduated. First job out, Pepsi, making how much? 55000 a year. You're lit. To everybody, my family and friends. 100%. I'm the man. You're the golden I'm, child. I'm the man. But to me, I'm like, nah, I'm worth $55 million. That's mm. all I had in my mind. I'm worth, so this is just a stepping stone. Yeah. And what'd you learn from Pepsi? A lot. I learned systems i learned um marketing strategies right so just understanding that even down to the shape of the bottle the color of the bottle was a certain purpose certain reason why they shape it that way every um market so if i'm going into this area this zip code and it's, it's crazy but i would sell hawaiian punch crushed orange soda like they would sell that in this zip code because this is what people buy unfortunately I go to the more affluent area, salsa water, it's, it's life water, it's mm. Gatorade. So just understanding the target audience, what products you sell, um, distribution. It's another thing, right? So distribution, when we would come out with a new product, so Gatorade would come out with a new product, we would have to have 100% distribution in every single store in the first two weeks. It was like mandatory. If you didn't do it, you got written up. This new product, this innovation has to be in every store in two weeks. Excuse me. And then the whole concept was you got to give your product the best chance to win. So when I think about my business, if I'm selling a product or I have a service, I need to have 100% distribution. I need to be on every podcast. I need to be on every TikTok, YouTube. I need to be speaking everywhere because it's distribution. You got to give your product or service the best chance to win. So like those yeah, are the key concepts that I took from, from working. Dang, that's crazy. That's why, yo, bro, I learned so much from my job. And people yeah. start talking about, yo, you don't need a job. There's so much you can learn. Yeah. Yo, I'm interested in, like, you said Pepsi, right? Pepsi. In the Pepsi model. So what does 100% distribution mean? There's a certain number that has to go into the stores? So we have an a area that we are responsible for. So mm -hmm. as a sales rep, this is my route. I may have 200 stores in my route. So out of the 200 stores in my route, Every single store needs to have this new product in there within two weeks. That's 100% distribution for what my area, what I cover. Gotcha. So you have to sell them on getting this new product there. Yep. I have to go in and, hey, this is the new Gatorade. Um, you know, it's low on sugar. This is why you should have it. I will have my facts. So they'll, they'll give me a little cheat sheet, and I will have all of the different data points about the product going into the store and why you should buy this because this is what the customers are going to like. Did you have any pushback on, like, what is the hardest thing about selling the product? Or do all of them just take it? No. Because they, they're, they're buying it. They're spending money. These small mom and pop bodegas, right? I was in Pennsylvania at the time when I was working. You had these small little bodegas, right? They limited. They got a little bit of cash, a little bit of checks, and they just week to week. They don't have money to just be buying every product you bring in. They want to buy what they know sells. They know the customers coming in to get crushed and already in Hawaiian Punch. That's what they want to buy. They don't want to. This new Gatorade, right, get that out of here, right? So now I really got to go in there and sell and say, hey, try three crate, three cases and I'll give you one free. Do, mm. you know, let's come up with different strategies. Let's try to put it in front of the store. Let's put it at the middle shelf. So when somebody goes to the cooler and open up, it's the first thing they see versus being at the bottom. So it's just different things that so we- So you got to sell, I got you. You got to sell the placement. You got to sell, dang, on it. Yeah. It, it, but I loved it. 
because it was sales and it helped me be a salesman in my business. Right. But it doesn't mean you have to sell, you have to close 100% of the clients. You just have to sell 100% of the inventory that you have. Correct. Yeah. Got it. So there's certain thing. All right. So Pepsi know that we on MLK Boulevard, like crush in Hawaii. Yeah, they got the data. They, they got all the they software. Got the data. They, they know they got who's the data. buying what, how much you buying, how much you drinking. They know all of that. And then we going in. And so. And when'd you leave? I left in 2020, 2020, 2020. Yeah. So this is, Oh, so like you're building, you're building your portfolio up. You got 40 doors as in a, as a real estate investor yeah. and you got your job, yeah. which is lit. And you decide to leave. Why? Because I always knew I wanted to leave. I always wanted to be my own boss. I didn't want nobody to tell me when I could go to the bathroom, when I could get days off, right? My dad, he, so growing up, my dad, he was a correction officer. So he worked 60 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And I love my dad, but he wasn't home. My mom, she passed away when I was 12. My grandmother passed away when I was 14. So it was just me and my brothers and my dad. You know what I'm saying? So it was just like, you know, I I didn't like that. So my dad would always tell me like, yo, never settle for a job. You know, a job stands for just over broke. Just use it as an opportunity because, you know, you paycheck the paycheck, one paycheck, you done. Somebody can control your whole lifestyle. So I always had it in my mind growing up. I want more. This is just a stepping stone for me. So yeah. when I got to the point where I had 40 doors, I was bringing around $7,000 a month. I said, okay, I can leave my job. As soon as I left my job, COVID happened. And then now tenants not paying. Man. And now I'm strapped. I'm like, oh, man, this is crazy. I just left my job. thought I was good. Tell me what's going on emotionally, though. Stressed. I'm like, it's uncertainty, nervous. But then at the same time, it's like, I, I got to get it done. So it's like, you know, I have to get it done. And that's when I have to pivot. And I started selling some properties. And then it got into the self-storage business. So everything happens for a reason. Yeah. You know, they, I always say, you never know how strong you are. And to be as strong is your only option. Yeah. Like when I got arrested in college and they was about to expel me, it was no way I could, I didn't even tell my dad. I'm like, I couldn't tell him. I'm like, yo, I can't go back Does home. he know now? He know now. Oh, okay. He know now, but yeah, so it's just, it, it was a lot that I was, that was going through, but it helped me get to the point that I'm at today. Ooh, you leave your job. Yep. And then COVID hits. Mm-hmm. So you must have left like early 2020. It was around January, January, February. January 2020, like This was before, yep. like it was hearing rumblings about it, but March is when it got crazy. Oh, 100%. Yes. So I was supposed to do an event. Uh, a conference, right? This big uh, place. This one guy for production paid him maybe fits. What's up, podcaster or soon to be podcaster? Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know, ATL, baby. Atlanta, Georgia, going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. 
picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. But wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you. Rub shoulders with industry leaders. And you got to network with the other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side, and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code BIGDEAL, It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people to listen to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you... No, right now, yet you got time, no pressure, you get us back. But use that code big deal that triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free. So don't wait. So secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country. Join us July 4th and 5th in Atlanta. Let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality, y'all. Head over to podcastsummit.com. Use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal fifteen thousand dollars and he just not giving me my money back and it was just because you you think it's happening but it's like ah i'm still gonna be able to do this live event yeah Georgia said you can't do events. They just shut it down, right? Mm. So, like, that was, it was so, it was a shock because we don't know what's going to happen. But I can imagine from your perspective, you got the secure job. You finally muster up the courage to say, I'm out. Did you ever, did you call them and say, yo, <laughs> I was just playing, my bad. <laughs> I was tripping. I was going through some mental health issues. Can I get my job back? Negative. I was not doing that. I had too much pride. <laughs> I feel like I had something to prove. I left. I got something to prove to y'all. Yeah. That's just how, how I was operating. So that seven grand a month goes down to what? I was at 25, 2800 a month. Is this profit? Profit. I'm still making money, but I'm not making the money that I was making. Gotcha. Gotcha. So we pivot. It, it, is, is that the driver to... Obviously, you sell some of your property, so you got a bunch of cash, right? right. But... The the storage unit, were you looking for something else at that point? No, or just I, that situation? It just that that situation happened. I realized it. I jumped into it. And then the rest was from there. 
Gotcha. I wasn't looking for anything else. I was just trying to figure out how to at least get cash so I could maneuver through this real estate market mm-hmm. at the time because I understand it's, it's peaks and valleys. So I just got to weather the storm. You know, yeah. I wasn't planning on getting into the self storage business. It just happened. You recommend entrepreneurship? Hell yeah. Why? Because um, it just helps you become the best person that you could be. It just really challenges you. And I feel like if you want the most out of life, you know, you got to challenge yourself. Most of us are complacent. You know, and you you can still work a job, but still have some type of ownership. You know, I did yeah. both. So I always say, yes, I, I would recommend entrepreneurship. Now, for most people, it may not be, you know, fit. They may not be cut out for it. Yeah. Because you got to be willing to go broke. You got to be willing to lose. You got to be willing to be stressed. So, but ultimately, yeah, it, it, it challenges you to be the best person. So I would recommend it to everybody. We just dropped an episode maybe uh, three weeks ago, maybe where we were describing all the reasons you shouldn't be an entrepreneur. Mm. There's mad reasons, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, bro, there's so many things that you cannot control. So obviously you can't control whether your job uh, fires you or not. But for the most part, there's some sort of control in your particular area at the job. And you know how much your check is going to be. For the most part, your check's not late if you're running for run, playing for a corporation. But there's so many, there's so many like mental health related issues with entrepreneurship that I don't know. I, I recommend entrepreneurship, but not for a reward, but almost for something that you can do outside of. Your job. Just give you another chance for entrepreneur. I used to be like, I used to wave my entrepreneur flag. Mm. Everybody needs to be one. I still believe it, but not for financial reasons. I think you should have a hobby that can pay you to make you happy. Mm-hmm. But I don't recommend entrepreneurship for everybody just like as, as much <laughs> as I used to. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a tough thing. I, again, I still recommend it because I'm thinking legacy, right? Yeah. You can't pass down your job. Yeah. You can't. If you own a product, you own a business that's bigger than you, it's gonna outlive you. You could pass that down to your kids. So, you know, just stretch yourself. You gotta get out your comfort zone. Yes, it's gonna be hard. It's not yeah. for everybody, but you know, if you go through that process, it'll be worth it. Me and Jay Hill was just having this conversation about legacy, and I think it's overrated. Really? Yeah. Yes, it is. You got kids? Yeah. How many? One and one on the way. Okay. Uh, when's when's the next one come? February. I got one coming in November, too. Yeah, Congrats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Congrats. Uh, how old's your first one? He is 15 months. Bro, we're identical. Mine's 19 months. Oh, I know exactly what's going on yeah. with you. Okay, we're going to have a therapy session together yeah, after we, this, okay? We need that. We need that. We need that. <laughs> but I, I think there's, there's no guarantee that I can pass down a... Uh, I can, I can give you my business, but there's no guarantee that you either want the business or two, are going to properly be able to manage it. And three, I, yo, a good struggle, bro, it produces something that uh, I can't explain what it is, but a struggle produces something in people that privileged people will never understand. Becoming resourceful, resourcefulness. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I automatically just want to. I I don't know if my daughter growing up as a wealthy child 
does more harm than good? I don't know. Hmm, that's deep. Entitlement. That's deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we don't know. Like, we first generation of this, so yeah. it's tough. But um, like what I do, right? I try to create an environment for it. That's mm -hmm. that's what I try to create, right? And it's obviously new. My son is new, um, only one and a half years old. I got a baby on the way, so we still building out the environment. But I start with my nieces and nephews, right? Mm -hmm. So every single year, I have what I call a family legacy meeting. So I bring my aunts, my Ooh. brothers, my cousins, my sisters, best friend. Everybody come in one room because you know how it go. Once you the one that start making money in a family, you the family's bank. <laughs> Dave, can I borrow? Yeah. Dave, can, can you send me this? And then if you say no, you feel bad because you technically you do have it together. I don't feel bad. You don't feel bad? No. All right, why not? Because I don't be having it together. <laughs> yeah, okay. especially so. So my business has some money. I don't got a lot of money. Okay. I probably, what am I, like today, I probably got about $3,000 in the bank. Okay. Like that I'm going to use for like personal stuff. I ain't got it. You want me to give okay. you half my bread? So let me ask you this. <laughs> but don't you have access to get it? Of course. So if somebody comes to you and they're going through a tough situation, right? You know, technically, you know, technically I can get to it. Yeah, I only have 3000 in my bank, but I have the access to get it. Does that still make you feel? Uh, here's, here's what I understand and what I've seen. Anytime someone's ever asked me for money, I'm talking about like this is my whole life. Okay. When I'm working at the Cheesecake Factory, somebody, yo, I need $100, I need $200. Anytime that I, someone asked me for some money and I didn't have it to give, they worked it out. Yeah, that is true. Figured out. <laughs> it was never so detrimental that they just, oh my gosh, I'm their last. For some reason, anytime someone's ever asked me for money, yeah. if I didn't have it to give, they didn't die, they didn't lose their house, they were okay. So you better than me. I, was, I, I yo, take a page out of your book. What? My cut, this was two months ago. My cousin asked me for $2,500 because he needed some money. I said, I ain't got it. I said, I could, he was, he was in a situation. I was like, I got a thousand. He said, yo, cuz, I'm going to hit you back next week. I know that's not true. <laughs> yeah. I know it. Yeah. I know it. He's like, yo, I'll give you the 2500 I'm like, yo, I one, I'm not giving you the 2500 because I'm not getting that back. I'll give you the 1000 though. You say you're going to pay it back, but I know it's, I know it's not going to happen. But now, now that I gave the 1000 he said you're going to pay it back, you know what happens now? You won't feel comfortable asking me for no money because you still owe me the thousand from last yeah, time. That's a good thing. <laughs> I, I, listen, I anyone if my if one of my family members are listening, okay, you need a thousand dollars, I got you. I got you. That is my limit because now if if I give it to you, you don't give it back. You're not going to ask me for money anymore. And it's only a few people in my family that's going to ask me. So if they all borrow a thousand. Then I'll never ever have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that a sick way of thinking? You know, I, I think the same way. My grandmother used to tell me that all the time. Like, listen, somebody borrow money from me, you give it to them, and they don't give it back. It only costs you a thousand dollars to get them out. Yeah, your great. And your That's number, your number might be a hundred. Your number might be two hundred, five hundred. I ain't got it right now. I yeah. give five hundred. Shoot you to five hundred. Yeah. They'll get the other money from somewhere else, and they're not going to pay you back, and you're good. You're right. That's how I look at it. All right, so I need to take a page out of your book. Absolutely. I'll be having that guilt because I know I, I can get to it and I don't want to see you suffering, you know, so I got caught up in this process of just giving out money and damn near going broke again, right? I'm like, damn, I can't do this. So. Bro, they're not suffering, first off. 
They're not suffering. <laughs> Just right, know that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They're not suffering. <laughs> That's, I got to get out of that. Yeah. And here's another point. Yeah. If they are suffering, if they're in this situation and they can't get out of it, chances are they'll be in that situation again. And they're probably the type of person that is always in that situation. At what time, at what point do you let them figure out their life? They've probably been in that situation a thousand times over their life and they're used to being in a situation. And if I bail you out now, you'll be in that situation again. Right. Maybe I shouldn't look at my family. I love my family. But I, I think most of my most of my family is like, well, all of my family is like self-sufficient. Nobody really asks me for stuff like that. Because yeah, so. my family different. It's like everybody trying to figure it out and they, hey, yo, you, you. We see that you got it, or you don't, or you or look like you got it. You know what I'm saying? And now, so back to the original point, right? I was saying about the family legacy meeting yep. to create the environment. So That's I actually bring, dope. I bring everybody together, and I do a seminar, same way we would teach out anywhere in the community, but we do it as a family. And then there's some prerequisites. In order for you to come to this meeting, you got to have your credit profile opened up. So I give you the link prior to the call, or prior Ooh. to the meeting. Make sure you sign up, get your credit report opened up, because we're going to look at it when you get here. Hey, make sure you get your LLC set up. This is the person that's going to do it for you. Get it together. So now you got to have your LLC and you got to have your credit profile opened up when you come to the meeting. Because when you get there, we're going to look at everybody's credit profile. Mm. And then we do a family susu. So $200, I make everybody give $200 a month if you want to be a part of this. And every month we'll take the pot and we'll do something towards somebody's financial development. So this week, I mean, this month we'll fix auntie's credit. Next month, we'll fix my cousin's credit, right? So we helping everybody. This month, we'll take the money to start this person's T-shirt business. We'll do whatever we can to keep the money going around. But this concept has helped some people fall off. That's just what come with it. Yeah. But one particular person, um, one person in particular, my cousin, so he worked 40 hours, 50 hours a week, very responsible person, pay his bills on time, but he knows nothing about business and credit, right? When I looked at his credit profile, he had an 800 credit score. Mm. Didn't even know he had it. Un, un, until we looked at his profile, he just paid his bills. So now I'm able to tell him, hey, look, you got an 800 credit score with the information that I have, we can set you up and go get access to business lines of credit, business credit cards, right? We can use this to start your business, keep going. And now we just do that amongst each other and build that environment out. So I'm hoping that we keep this thing going and my nieces, my nephews, they see it, they develop when my son gets older, my new child gets older, I don't know if it's a boy or girl yet, but when, we, when they get older, we keep this environment going. And hopefully, when all the assets that we do have, they have the mindset as well to take the assets and keep it going and not just F up, F up the bag. That is lit. That's hard. I ain't going to lie to you. Okay. Okay. I, I need to stop. I need to look at my family differently. <laughs> we need to have a family meeting, man. How many people are in the family that come? It, it, it varies every meeting. Some people fall off, but we got a good 12. A good 12 of us actually actively put up to $200. Some people, next month, I got it, but a good 12 people. And how often? Every year we do it, but every year we have the meeting, but every month we put up $200. Got it. And then obviously we communicate throughout the day if it's a play that we got to run or if there's an investment. So that's how I buy a lot of my facilities with no money out of my own pocket. So I have my family, get you some business credit cards. If you got a 401k, you got money saved. Let's put it together. We're going to go buy this asset. Mm. And I'll just give you equity in the deal. Well, I'll give you return on your money. I have all the resources, the information, but I'm pulling everybody together so we all can have some type of ownership. We all have some type of belief. Because as you know, it starts with the belief. 
And now you put up some money and I can say, hey, you have ownership in our family investment that keeps you encouraged, keeps you going. That's amazing. That's amazing. You're how old? 30. <laughs> God, bro, by the time you're like 35 or like my age, I'm 37. Like you are going to be set because I think you have the, you have the right mindset. Yeah. And I hate using the word mindset because it's so like overused and it's an underrated word yeah. Yeah. because the whole game is in your head. Yeah. Right. But like you're, you're really setting your whole family up. For generational wealth. Now, I, I I do agree with that because it's not like you're passing money down to them. You're passing down a system or a way of operating. Yes. And a way of thinking and getting them used to like vocabulary words like credit, financing. So I'm, I would imagine that you're telling them all about the deals that you're doing, which is why they're asking for money. I don't be telling everybody. Right. What's going on? You're right about that. <laughs> you're right about that. Got it. Break it down. All right, so your vision on, are you actively looking for storage units now? Yes, absolutely. That's you're always looking? Always. You got anything you're looking at right now? We haven't found anything recently that, that makes sense, but. I'm, I'm sorry. What was your formula? You, I was, I was, we was going to a formula and then I went off on a tangent somewhere. <laughs> Give me your formula that you're looking for. I know you said uh, we, we started out with uh, getting my money back in five years, but yeah, there was so more I wanna, to it. I want to make sure I can get my money back, right? Mm -hmm. The next thing I want to look at is where could I add value? So is the opportunity for me to increase the market rents? So what that means is if the facility currently that I'm looking at buying, if they charging $90 for a 10 by 10, what is the facility charging up the street? Are they charging 109? Well, I need to increase my rents to go there. If they're charging lower than me, I need to figure out why. Right, I need to always know that if I buy this, I can increase the income. Is there any room for expansion? Right, can I add more units? Is there a college nearby? Is there a high school nearby? Is there a hospital nearby? Because if I, you know, can, how can we drive more traffic to the facility? What's going on in the area? Are they building a new stadium? Right, I want to know all of these things. What is the population growth? What is the median income? It's, it's buying a business, so I need to know what what are the factors that impact this from an environmental standpoint. Got it. So. What is the marketing like? Let's say I get it. Do you market or do you just let it kind of organically do what it do? No, I don't do any like, crazy marketing. Um, I might work with apartment builders. So one of the facilities that I have in Pennsylvania is apartment complex up the road. So I go to the apartment complex, meet with the person in the office and say, hey, I have a storage. Field. I just purchased this up the road. If you send anybody over, I give you a 10% commission. Right. So now that's a partnership because everybody's always moving in. Mm -hmm. If they don't have extra space, they have items. Send them over this way. You do a big grand opening, but that's about it. We don't really do a lot of marketing because once it hits capacity, it's like can't do much. It's it's full, you know. And I don't Got really it. want. I want it to be. I want to always leave ten to fifteen percent um, vacancy mm -hmm. because I want to always be able the opportunity to turn the units around. Got I want to have it completely booked because it's completely booked. This is the rent I'm charging. It's stabilized now. Unless I increase the rents. But yeah. now I'm just, this is just the income that I'm having. It's stuck. I don't have no real uh, revenue management. Gotcha. There's a question I'm learning to ask because my entrepreneurial mind will start entrepreneuring again. So this is an important question that I, I got to ask. What are the biggest headaches with this business? Because we could talk, we'll talk about it and be like, yo, I know me. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm going to get a storage unit. It's just easy money, cakewalk. But I've been realizing that nothing's like that. Nothing. So what are the biggest issues? The biggest issues, you may have people that leave their stuff in the unit, stop paying. You know, I have people that get, somebody got arrested, not not paying it. Um, now they ain't arrested. They're not paying their units. Now we got to go put a lock on their unit, try to get them out do an auction. So now you're going through all of that process to get them out, get the unit cleared out, hire the auction company to come in and do that process. So that can be a headache for me. It's not too much of a headache because I come from the eviction space in apartments. That's a way tougher process. So this is a a much easier process. So you'll have that. Um, You have people that's homeless that'll come hang around and try to sleep in the facility because, you know, is nobody living there. So you really don't have people management managing it 24 hours, right? Yeah. You have, I have a, somebody that go there four or five hours out the day, leave. After that, it's just... I just want to get into it. I mean... You can either jump the gate. <laughs> you, you know, you can jump the no, gate. You're not sleeping in the facility because the facilities are locked. I mean, the store units are... Or if it's vacant, you just leave it open. No, it's vacant. I keep it locked, period. But right. you have people like... I. It hasn't happened to me yet, but one of my mentors... Somebody broke into one of the units and was sleeping in it, and that's mm. like they was actually living out of the unit because they was homeless. He got a, He got a facility in L.A. and L.A. is a big home homeless problem. So, yeah. those are the things that will impact. You know what? That's that's really about it. And obviously, you gotta have the right people in place. So, you know, the right management company. I, I, in the storage business, I say it's not what it's about who. Who can you put in place to make sure that this is running efficiently? You know, it's crazy as you were telling me that. I was just thinking to myself, if I was homeless, I just ran this whole play in my head. Like, I just cut the lock and had my own lock and put a lock on there, and I just lived there. You, you thought about that. Imagine who else thinking about Yeah, that's that. crazy. I just thought about it. I was like, that is actually a play. Yeah. All right, so that doesn't seem like too big of a problem. Nah. What else? Um. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. It's like, you don't have those type of issues because, again, like, you own real estate. Mm-hmm. The, the majority of the problems with real estate is because it's people living there. Yeah. It's really not the asset. Humans. It's the humans that's there that yeah. make it a problem. Yeah, for sure. Because this person's complaining, the, the toilet is broken now, the kitchen sink is leaking, the tenants upstairs don't like the tenants downstairs, mm-hmm. right? Partying noise. It's the people that live there that create all the, the issues that comes with the business. Yeah, humans, something else, bro. Unfortunately, we are. <laughs> Yo, when somebody doesn't pay, I saw there was a TV show. What was it called? When it was like storage unit storage wars, wars, storage wars, yeah. where somebody can go buy their unit. Like if I stop paying, yep. somebody can buy it. How does that? Do you do that? I don't do it. We hire an auction company to come do it because technically, legally, as the facility owner, you cannot like auction it. If you, once they don't pay, you put them in collections and then we hire the auction company to come in and they run the auction process. Mm. So take, take one day, have people come out, they bid on the unit. Um, you don't even see what's in there. You just got to bid. Whoever has the highest bid, they pay, they get whatever's in there. That's it. And you take it, you clean it out. That's it. So, but you do have an auction company that, well, does it, that Correct. does it. Correct. Has anyone really come up on some stuff? I have it's not me personally. I haven't seen anything come up like no? from my own experience. No, not yet. Like, just be trash. But I know, <laughs> I know people like specific that I know that got like storage units. They rent them out and they got some valuable things in it. They pay their rent. You know they do what they need to do. But yeah. if God forbid something was to happen, 
and somebody can go get that unit, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good day for them. Goodness gracious! Yeah. So I, yeah, that that's good to know though. So you hire a so there's a there's a whole company dedicated to auctioning storage units. Facts. Yeah. Hmm. Jay, you want to get one? You go half on on storage unit. And, and this to give y'all some more game is like it's not like I know we think of it as a storage unit. That's a big thing. You can actually buy some storage units cheaper than you'll buy a duplex. In New York City, duplex 800000 One of my mentees bought a 44-unit storage facility in Louisiana. They paid 300000 for it. Dang. So you could. But I guess you can only charge $100, but it's a month and it's consistent. For me personally, the reason why I'm into the business is not about the money per se. It's more about the freedom, the passiveness of it. So if I could make probably a little less than what I would charge on an apartment, but I don't have to deal with the extra legwork. So, for example, one of my apartment buildings, um, six-unit apartment building I got, I evicted one of the tenants. When they, when they got evicted, I had to go and put a new bathrooms in there, new kitchen in there. They tore it up. Mm-hmm. $15,000 that I spent before I even could get somebody else in the unit. Yeah. So now I'm looking at my bottom line. I'm not bringing in what I would expect to make because if you if I go through that every time I'm turning over a unit, the business is not profitable. You know, first your storage unit, you get somebody out, you're not putting no plumbing, no kitchen, you're not doing any of that. Just power wash, clean, sweep, get them out, next person in there. Gotcha. All right, I got one more one more question. Yeah. The um in, into the formula, right? So let's say there's a hundred units and you can charge on average, a hundred per unit. Okay. That is that ten thousand dollars a month. Ten thousand. Ten thousand a month. What's the most you'll pay for that? So, um, or what other factors are you looking at? So, ten thousand dollars a month. Um, what I'm going to do? Ten thousand. I'm going to times that by twelve because I want to get the gross annual. Yeah. So ten thousand. Times that by 12, what's that? 120,000. All right, cool. I know that my gross income is 120,000. Now I want to look at the expenses. So typically we we don't want to be in no more than 30 to 35% of the income um, to be expenses. So 30% expenses. So okay, 120, 30% of 120, what's that? What's 30% of 120? 36,000. So now I'm going to look at the expenses and say, if the expenses is less than 36,000, this is the deal. So do 120 minus the 36,000. 90. So now my net is how much? My net is 84,000. So that's the number that I want to look for. That's my net operating income. So I'm going to take that net operating income and I'm going to divide it by the market cap rate. Every market has their own cap rate depending on like the, the, the pace of that. So in New York, cap rate's like 2 3% because it's more affluent, more expensive. Explain cap rate. So it's the capitalization rate. It's like the rate on... Um, return. How fast are you going to get your money back? So if I got a 20% cap rate, 20, how, how many times is 20 going to 100? Five. So it, now it's going to take me five years to get 100% of my money back. If my cap- That's why you're saying, so you're going specifically for 20% cap rate. Well, if, if it is a 20% cap rate, that's great. That's what I want to go for, 20% cap rate. If I, if I, if I get it a little lower, but I'm paying a 10% or 8% cap rate, it may take me longer, but if I know I can add, re- increase the rents because I'm going to bring more money in, I'm going to add a vending machine in there, I'm going to have the U-Haul. Now I'm going to say, okay, it probably take me a little longer to get the money, but really not because I'm going to add money this way. 
So as long as it levels out Got and be it. within that five, I'm good. So we that eighty four thousand. You're, ta- you're taking all of the. Well, I guess you can't take all of those numbers into consideration where you're talking about gross. You're talking about just strictly what the asset's going to produce. Strictly what the asset's going to produce. However, if you're if you're generating income and it's associated with that asset, that also inc- adds to its value. Got it. So okay. when I go to the lender and I say, "Hey, the the, the um, facility is bringing an eighty four thousand net, but I got the vending machine, I got the U haul partnership." I got um, Amazon drop off, right? I got these things going on, and I'm bringing in an additional thirty, forty thousand. They're gonna add that to my income. Got it, got it. Do you have all this in a formula like written yeah. down? I got a um, tool. It's called the Commercial Cash Flow Calculator. You go online, commercialcashflowcalculator.com. And Is that your website? Yeah, that's my. Oh, that's that's my tool. I have my the name. I got a program where I teach this stuff, Mailbox Media Academy. But for anybody that need a tool to evaluate, I built it out. From A to Z, it's called commercialcashflowcalculator.com. You pretty much, you can uh, subscribe, pay the fee, and this is be your tool. Anytime you find a facility, you go in there, you input everything in there. It has all of the different variables, and it'll spit out whether this is a good facility or not. Or it'll give you a full summary for you to go. I built it up for my students because it is a lot of factors. So I said, I want to make it simple. This is the tool. Go put it in here. It's going to give you a printout. So now when you go speak to the seller, you can negotiate better because I have all the factors on here on why this is a facility, good or not. Got it. Man, I like you, man. Thank you. I like you I, yeah, you, like you are really, um, I think you, when you get 30, I'm 37. By the time you're 37, you'll be way more successful than I am right now. <laughs> I hope so. Because I was never thinking about this kind of stuff, right? It's like, like you really understand business and it appears that you're really, really driven and you're focused, locked in, man. How much time, how much time you spend, spend with your kids? A lot. Um, it, Dan, that's a loaded question. A lot's relative. Yeah, you're right. A lot is relative. I, that's a loaded question. Um, I try my best to bring my son with me everywhere I go, you know, because mm. me having a luxury of being a full-time entrepreneur, I want you to just be around, you know? So right now I'm doing podcasts. Cool. They're in a the hotel. I'm gonna go right to the hotel after this. We're gonna go spend time together. So, oh, where guess, you live? New York. Your whole family's here with you. Yeah. Oh, where you flew yeah. them all day? Yeah, I did all the We just talked the other day, and you just flew them all down. Yeah, that's that's how we. That's how y'all roll. That's how we roll. I want to make sure y'all with me. You know, that's that's what we do this for. That's dope. That's dope. So you, you travel with your queen. Yep. That's it. when y'all going back. Uh, tomorrow morning. Gotcha. Y'all gonna hang out today? Facts. That's lit. So do you have like a particular time that you try to get home every day? Uh no. That's something I'm working on to be honest with you. Yeah. That's something I'm working on as far as um just that balance. Cause I don't I, I don't truly believe there is a balance. It's like some days I'm gonna spend more time with my family. I'm gonna just say, yo, today I'm not doing nothing. Yeah. And then there's days where it's like I'm 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 in overload right now. I'm not yeah. gonna be back until eleven o'clock. Like, yeah. So it just I I wanna get better with that, honestly. It's just it's it's a constant. We're gonna, we're gonna have a therapy process. session, bro. Yeah, I'll add you to the group the chat of dads, bro. This the struggling fathers trying to figure it out. <laughs> Not in terms of struggle, but you're you're just trying to figure out your flow, right? There's obviously not a balance, but there should be some sort of flow. I'm trying to create a cadence. What, what's what's your flow? How do you how do you do it? Uh, my I'm gonna be at home by five o'clock every day. Really? That you do that now? Yeah, hundred percent. Now it's not that I'm home every day at five o'clock. Okay. But my, my mindset is I'm going to be home every day at five o'clock and 
80% of the time I'm home at five o'clock mm-hmm. and then I just wrap up my work. And then I, I, by the time I get home, I take my smallest daughter cause my wife has been with her all day. So it's just me and her, my wife gets to go do whatever she needs to do. And I'm just locked in. I don't, I don't go in the house on the phone mm. anymore. Um, but I prepare myself. Sometimes I'll sit outside and I'm on the phone just making something happen because I know once I get in, it's go time. Because I don't want to be the dad that when I walk in, my baby is automatically running to me, period, every day. I don't want to be the, hold on, baby, not right now, not right now. I don't want to I don't want to be rejecting my daughter when she sees me. That's deep. I always want to embrace her. You know what I mean? Deep. So 5 o'clock, I'm pretty much done. I wrap it up. And I used to have the philosophy of, yo, I got to get it done, man. I'm, I'm burning midnight oil. But I've learned that, um, like, another philosophy I have is I'm going to do all that I can today. The rest I'll do tomorrow. Mm. You know, you'd be pressured to knock some stuff out today. My thing is the rest I'll do tomorrow. How did you get to that? Well, this is a good game. I'm picking your brain up because how, how did you get to that point to say, all right, I, I need to implement this? To get home at five. Like, would you always like that? Or was like, no, nah, I mean, you get tired of working all day. Gotcha. And you need structure in your life somehow. Facts. If you were working a job, you'd be home. Let's say you're working nine to five. You'd be home at six o'clock. Yeah. And you're typically not doing work at home from your work. Because when work is over, work is over. Y'all not paying for me to take no papers back to my house and work on it. I'm doing all that I can, nine to five, because I'm not bringing it home. And I'm looking at my entrepreneurial journey the same way. I work nine to five. After that, I'm done. So after this, like I got another, I got an interview we got to do at 2.30, and then I'm going home. And I'm not working no more. That's it. Yeah, I gotta take a page out of your book. You yeah, can. I need to the group chat. I need to be in the day. Oh, for sure. Chat. You know what's crazy about that though? You'll become a lot more effective. Running it, running it that way. What? Yo, I'm so thankful for my wife actually complaining about me working all night because it. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna try to. I want to make sure that you don't have any complaints about me, about like I'm working all the time. So because I have a window to get things done, it's less busy work. If you got all day, mad busy work. Yeah. You're just doing random stuff that you can do tomorrow. That's not important right now. But if you got this window, you know you got to knock out the most important stuff and then you're home. The time frame that I have, way more. I knock out more interviews during a week knowing that I'm recording one day a week than I did when I was just sporadically, because some weeks I wouldn't have none, some weeks I'll have three. But on Wednesday, I'll do five of them joints if I can. I'll knock it out. Game. That's a game right there. Yeah, man. Appreciate Tell your wife that. I said you're welcome. Appreciate it. I love you. I love you. She'll see this. She'll see this for sure. No doubt. No, I appreciate you coming through, man. I got to do a quick commercial, and then I'll have you close this out. Oh, one more question, okay? Um, this episode is sponsored by The Morning Meetup, themorningmeetup.com. Let me tell you what I did, too, man. I, um... I have a podcast course. It's $2,000. And I'm selling the course because I'm teaching people how to not only start their podcast, but 
how to grow their podcast, all the different monetization strategies on their podcast. And people have bought the course and it was like, yo, it's amazing. It helped them grow their podcast. But I decided to put the podcast course into the morning meetup program for free. For free. But the thing is, morning meetup is only $79 a month. So literally, somebody can join the morning meetup, take the $2,000 course, and they can leave next month. I'm okay with that. But my focus is growing this community of entrepreneurs. And I'll probably have you on the call one day, and you'll see it's literally hundreds of entrepreneurs every single morning. We're growing together. I'm teaching them. Uh, I get my successful friends on there to teach them. And every single morning, that's their routine. We're reading a book together. Every single month, we're reading a book. Right now, we just finished... What book did we finish, Reese? What book was it? What book did we just read? We just finished it. It was a really, really good book. And now we're reading some other book I don't have a name. I don't know. The one we're about to read, the 12 something. 12 something. It's supposedly a really good book. But we're, we always read a book. Like we read 14, 15 books last year. This year we'll probably read about the same amount together. We just do a, a chapter, chapter, chapter together. We just read a chapter every night. And I really don't, man. So go to themorningmeetup.com and uh, join our community. You're going to love it. Okay. All right. So uh, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. I appreciate me. you, man. Um, I do got to ask a question, man. Where do you think you're going to be in the next five years? Because I want, I'm asking the question because... I want to know what you see for yourself so that I can watch this video five years from today and we can say, yo, he came on there and he told us where he would be in five years. And look, he accomplished it. Yes, sir. So that's a great question. My goal is this concept that I have. It's called social creative entrepreneur, right? And um, in the next five years, I want to build up as much capital to invest in other people's ideas, right? Just to be able to say, okay, you have this business, you have that model, you have that vision. How could I be able to pay to help support you get to that goal, but also have ownership in this company? You know, so I want to, I see myself having 2,000 units. I want to at least bring in a million dollars a year in passive income, not earn, and take that passive income to just reinvest in other people's ideas and travel the world and impact people. That's truly what my goal is. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, I mean, the clock is running now. Got to keep going. Because we said it today. Yeah. So five years from today, yeah. you got to be at a million passive or they're going to be like, see, dude, that he wasn't grinding. <laughs> Give me five more years. Okay. <laughs> no five doubt. More. Man, I appreciate you, man. Um, again, uh, this is very impactful because I think people just need different ideas. And I think it's going to spark in somebody saying, yo, I could do this. Mm -hmm. I got a job and it ain't going to take all my, all my time where it's like creating content and building a brand or this might just be a nice little passive income stream. So um, let everybody know how they can find you and uh, how they can work with you. And uh, close this out with a word of wisdom, man. So you can find me on Instagram at mogul lifestyle underscore. That's where you can find me on YouTube as well. Mogul Elite Club. I'm always dropping game. And I, I, if it's okay with you, I want to do something for everybody that's that's watching this episode. Talk to me. So um, I got a course as well. So okay. I teach all of these strategies from A to Z. Um, but for everybody that if they text proof, I'm going to do this for you. Everybody's watching this to 347-429-6496. So you text PROOF to 347-429-6496. And I want to get them 80% off my course. 80%? 80%. 80%. Dang. That's, that's 80%.
That's only for everybody that's happening with you. Only here on Social Proof. I love it. I love it. Man, I appreciate you, my brother. Appreciate Thank you, you as well. Look, man, there's somebody out here that uh, has a job and a dream and they're trying to figure it out, man. Close us out with some words of wisdom. Yes. So there's a few things that I want to say, right? Number one, the most powerful thing in the world is a made-up mind. Right? Whatever we decide on, whatever we decide to do, whether it's to go left or go right, we're going to get that. Yeah. So I always say just make that decision. And your, your, um, your lifestyle was your mindset turned inside out, right? Because whatever we think, whatever we speak, whatever we act on is going to show. You know, so I want everybody to know it starts here in between the ears. Make that decision. I always say, um, you know, you, if you're mad about your situation, you got to make a difference. You got to make a decision. You got to do something. So that's what I want to share with everybody. And most people that want to get into this entrepreneurship game, they got million dollar dreams, but minimum wage work ethics. So you, it got to match up. Million dollar dream, got to have million dollar work ethic. So um, still tap in. That's it. That's all I got to say. I love it, man. Look, we can't close out no better than that, man. Yeah. Follow my brother, man. Get you a storage unit. Yeah. And uh, more importantly, go get you some social proof, meaning go build something. Remember how you build it. Document the process, but come back to your community and teach them how you did it. All right? It's the only way our community grows. We out here. Peace. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.